We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today we're going to talk about how to win all the money over at Underdog Fantasy. We are joined by King Cap and he is going to help us follow in his footsteps from 2022 where he took down the regular season $1 million prize in that scenario. We're going to go for the regular season this year, but we're also going to just try and take everything down. We're going to win the regular season, the postseason. We're just going to, this team today is going to be the team that we'll be talking about, you know, in a couple of months time and 12 months time next year, it is going to be the 23-7 draft you know we had pat Curry in this year drafting his teams as a kind of memorial this draft being recorded sunday the 23rd of july will come out a little bit later than that during this upcoming week but sean i guess we have to start with the pleasantries as we kick things off we have king cap on the show cap welcome in hey thank you guys this is a dream come true for me you guys are my favorite podcast uh i shouted you guys out when i won all the podcasts no, I do not. I do not. <laughs> this is honestly a dream come true, and I can't wait to honestly just listen to Sean, and I'll have some questions for him. I, that's why I'm excited to be on here, just get, pick Sean's brain. Well, we didn't even chat that much before the show, even though we were ecstatic to have you on, talked last week about looking forward to this, because we just want to keep it all for the show. And Cap, it was so exciting to have you in last year. We do very much appreciate the nice things that you said about OT in the aftermath. Uh, and that was very, very cool. I wrote an article about your team calling it the perfect draft, the greatest zero RB team ever. What was it like in that final week kind of going into it? Obviously, you had to feel like you had a chance. And then down the stretch when it looks like you're going to win and then you win a million dollars. What was that experience like? Well, I was like studying really hard the three teams that were pretty much in contention, and I felt really good about my chances. I was like looking at the ADPs on the Battle Royales to see like which team had the most highest players in ADP, and um, my team had the most. So I was actually feeling very confident. I, after the first quarter of the Giants Eagles game, like they were not putting up many points, and I was kind of nervous, but then, man, they started pouring it on. So I was actually very confident. Until uh, like Jarek McKinnon started popping off, um, 
at the four o'clock slate and he was like going in the last round. So I was like, damn, maybe there's some dude that I haven't seen his team and he has Jarek McKinnon and all these guys. So I was getting nervous, but I was pretty confident the whole way. A funny thing is, is that I had a chess friend come over who had knew nothing about football and he saw my roster and he, the only person he asked about was Evan Ingram. You know, I was like, bro, we don't need Evan Ingram. We got Kelsey. Ingram's not going to do anything for us. So, I mean, dude, it was wild. And it was just a blur, really. And then I went on like a, a traveling binge after I helped out some friends. Just a blessing. Celebrated. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, what, you mentioned you mentioned the phrase a blur. And that will be my guess as to what it will be like. I imagine, you know, that day the nerves are even even for people who are in the final let's say of bbm3 at the time or if you make it to bbm4 this year you know the nerves on the day are one of those things of you know we're drafting now anything can happen with the team you draft now but when you're into the final you're into that final even though there is a lot of teams still involved that could win a huge amount of prize money spread across those teams on that day so real excitement myself and Sean have been lucky enough to be and a couple of best ball finals. And I, I know the nerves are there, but we haven't been in that situation where you're heading down the final. We have been in like first and second, that chase and pack, but we haven't been in where it's, uh, you know, a million dollars is sitting there on the line at the end of it all. Uh, so that is uh, super exciting. And I, I have to ask, the, the nerves had to be, have, have you ever been more nervous in all of your life than? I mean, I wasn't nervous, but like I couldn't watch. I couldn't watch Red Zone. Like I was just on my phone. I was actually on the FanDuel app, like refreshing the top scores because like Ingram was going off. And every time I'd refresh, Ingram would get like another three points. I couldn't even watch Red Zone really. But I wasn't say I was nervous, you know. And that's the thing is that we just love this game. And that's one of the reasons I love y'all's podcast is because you just truly love football and fantasy football. So the money, it was huge. But I was like kind of nervous, but kind of just in love with the game and not really thinking about the money at the same time. That's a beautiful thing to say. I think that, I mean, it's so hard when you do go down the stretch and you're in the mix there, you do get nervous, but it just the reminder that football is so wonderful, that sports are this great pastime and hobby that we can all share to have the fantasy element where you can kind of participate like you said, just being in love with fantasy football is a great takeaway. And that's just a wonderful nugget. And even if we don't win, which we're going to win with this show today, um, then, yeah, I just being in love with fantasy football, that's so cool. I did want to ask you, um, we're going to do a lot of strategy talk, obviously, as we draft. But you drafted kind of mid-July as well, right? When you drafted the team that won. And so... It's interesting as I look at your team and there's a lot of talk about when the best time to draft is. If you draft very, very early, then you know maybe you get some crazy ADP values. If you draft at the end of draft season, then you just have a lot more information. But one of the things that jumps out about your team, and again, just, I mean, if anybody wants to see the best zero RB team ever, make sure you check this out. You can check my article. You can check, obviously, all the work that Cap has done. But you get... Kenneth Walker in the 10th and Damian Pierce in the 12th. And there would have been a time period at the very beginning of draft season where maybe you wouldn't have been confident enough to put those two guys together. And there obviously would have been a time at the end of draft season where you could have no longer gotten those prices. I have to imagine you like some of the things that are going on in July and those types of drafts. Yeah, I do. I do like the thing. 
that are going on in July. And the funny thing is, is like it was plainly obvious in June also to me about Damian Pierce. Like the the news reports were coming out that he's going to have a very good chance to to work with the first team and get almost all the reps. That was in June, you know. And then I'm looking at his backfield and it's like Marlon Mack, and I'm like, dude, like this, this is such an easy opportunity. So to me, it was it was just plainly obvious. And I'm kind of getting those vibes with a chain this year. I definitely think July is is the the time to draft because I have actually like 30, 40 percent sky more from like the one twenty range back in like May and June. But you look at some like I have Jalen Hyatt at 140, all these other bad picks. And so Ju- July is really I still love Sky Moore at 100, but I, I do think July is the best best month to draft. But it was plainly obvious about Damian Pierce to me. I was like the problem was I wasn't reaching enough for him. Like I, I would just try to get him in the 13th round a lot. And it's like he wouldn't fall sometimes. And I'm thinking, like, what am I doing, bro? Like, I know this dude's a workhorse. So I would say a chain. It's pretty obvious to me this year, but yeah, I'm in. So some of the challenges with that is obviously at this point, you know, we're seeing some camps starting up now at this particular point. We've had some off-season activities for teams and particularly with rookies, you're going to hear positive buzz, but you're, you know, you have to have kind of that ability to decipher. Sometimes there's going to be just pure puff pieces and coach speak, but it's trying to find which nuggets are the genuine article and which, you know, you can really go on. So you could also go, know 80 percent in on a player and next thing you're like well that, that coach was just you know telling lies the entire time like last year sean one of our favorite things was you know the late the late geno smith but uh not the late geno smith as in geno smith is no longer with us as in the late pick for geno smith but the conversation back then was you know with him and, and drew Locke, and they were doing wind sprints uh you know a training camp and it looked like Locke might be winning those wind sprints so there's a lot of things that you have to put in and then as Sean mentioned, when we get into August, late August, that week before the NFL season, we're going to know those depth charts. And then some of those extreme values really will have disappeared when it gets to that point. Yeah, I think you just got to bet on the talent, right? And just hope things fall into place. Like Damian Pierce graded really well in college and Kenneth Walker too. And you just got to like, okay, you can trust the news or not trust the news. I would probably lean don't trust the news except when, you know, it's talking about good chance at first team reps. I think Especially that's if it's Pete Carroll. Just ignore everything. <laughs> yeah, dude, Pete Carroll. I remember the Kenneth Gainwell sweatshirt that uh, the Eagles coach wore to like the first day of training camp. I don't know if you remember that, but I didn't have much Gainwell and I was like, <laughs> but it ended up not being anything and I had Miles Sanders. So another interesting part, of, and again, I mean, this is the perfect team, but you were able to land Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow at the 6 7. For kind of the way that we talk about it, that would qualify Hertz as sort of the first window QB. You get Hertz, you get Burrow. Both of those guys, obviously, a lot more expensive this season. I mean, we feel good about the fact that those were two of the guys that we were really heavy on. And so those recommendations worked out. As you go into 2023 and you're thinking about now the success of Elite QB last season, in part because there were so many other QB injuries that it also helped you know any healthy but then especially elite qb to separate are you looking for the next hertz and burrow kind of in that range or are you feeling comfortable chasing your guys up how do you like to approach the qb position and to add to that as well sorry before you get into the answer it's interesting this year just to see the landscape difference based on those adps where you could get burrow and hertz last year versus what we're looking at this year because you can't, it's nearly impossible to 
put in that investment to to you know either lower end elite quarterbacks or elite quarterbacks on your roster based on how they are going by ADP because even if we look last year with the way the running back dead zone would have moved down some of the quarterbacks maybe a round or so this year it's very it's gonna be very very hard to go back to back rounds with two quarterbacks you know before round you know seven round eight yeah I agree but Joe Burrow did fall away past ADP it's not like I took him at ADP I'm all in on fields this year you know he's going in the same place that Hurts was going a bit further up but I mean I'm all in on fields I don't like to take a quarterback before then mostly because I see fields is actually better than Lamar and he's going 12 13 15 picks after so I find it hard to take Lamar over there on the right side of the board I should be taking more Lamar but yeah I'm all in on fields he went through a stretch where he was basically bankrupting DFS pros because he was get like 60% owned, but going for massive ceiling every week. There's like a three weeks stretch, you know? And then I think that people kind of like going naked fields, but when fields breaks the slate, he's usually throwing some touchdowns too. So you can pair him with a cheap pass catcher, even a DJ Moore. you know, AJ Traylon hurts at AJ Brown, Josh Allen had Stefan Diggs. Now Justin Fields has DJ Moore. So I'm all in on fields. And then I'll if I don't get him, I'll try to get Richardson or Dan, Danny Dimes, you know, or even punt all the way down like with Ritter and Howell, kind of like what you do. But I try to get it quarterback by the 13th round, like the Jared Goff cutoff. I'm all in on Gibbs, all in on Amon Ra. So, you know, sometimes I'll get Goff. <laughs> what are you guys doing with the QBs? We can't give away our secrets. Doing, but... We can't give away our secrets. <laughs> <laughs> that Goff pick is is a lot of fun setting that up i love to hear you say that about fields he's someone that i've been drafting a lot more of in the last really even week just much heavier do you think that the addition of i mean you mentioned dj Moore, and one of the things that we saw last year is it and again partly it was because of health from other players but you get that one two punch with the wide receiver the qb you mentioned naked with fields which is really interesting i think that that's a great way to play it but I mean, if you get set to take more with him, which you can do much more easily at a you know a discount to what you can do with the supposed elite QBs, you like that. And then even a Chase Claypool. And how much for you is the fact that finally he has weapons? And I mean, a guy who can throw deep, a guy who can threaten the defense in so many ways. You're talking about, as you mentioned, just huge games. Dude, I mean, I'm, I really like Fields as a pastor. I was studying him pretty heavy last year. And man, he had like Vilas Jones dropping stuff fumbling in the last play and some other terrible receivers the oldest rookie in nfl history yeah dude yeah and they had that one game against the commanders where they had they set a record for the most red zone trips without a touchdown and then velas jones they're up nine seven velas jones is going to catch a, a what is it called a, a kick return to end the game and he muffs it and then they go all the way back down the field with two minutes left he throws it to mooney and mooney just drops it I like Mooney a lot, but yeah, his pass catchers have increased dramatically. And I will I will never take a Bears receiver without Fields. Because imagine if this Bears receiver goes for like 25 points. Then imagine what Fields is doing in the passing game plus the rushing game. So you're going to be there in the playoffs week 17. And if Mooney goes off for 25, you know Fields is putting up like 50. So I refuse to take a Bears running back or wide receiver naked. Because if he pops off, Fields is going nuclear. I love taking more. I love taking uh, Mooney and Komet. I don't take much Claypool, but I probably should. 
he's somebody who's basically free. I did a draft with uh, Connor Driscoll this past weekend, and and I think he was our Mister Irrelevant, the the last pick of the entire draft. With a, it was a fields roster. So, um, something that's interesting as well. There, you just touched on from an actual on the field NFL improvement of an offense. You mentioned the the digs and uh, Josh Allen situation. Well, that was obviously a trade where we see him move across. We also have the situation with AJ Brown last year going to Jalen Hurts. It wasn't a trade, but we see Jamar Chase going to Joe Burrow. And now we see, like, we have seen that this, you know, sometimes you see a system change, a coaching change, for example. But when you're getting a basically a, a brand new wide receiver one on your roster, um, it, it can be that thing that just really elevates the quarterback as well. Yeah. I mean, no doubt. And I'm I'm very high on fields as a passer. I don't know if you guys are too. But another thing I heard on Stealing Bananas was that like 25 or 30% of his dropbacks did not end up in passes. And so not only were they not calling many pass plays, but also some of the pass plays they weren't passing. So I think there's a lot of room for improvement for these wide receivers and Cole Clement. Yeah, I love that. I love that pick as the next Hurts. And, I mean, you kind of painted the picture – of someone who could go off bigger than Hertz, which I mean, that would that would be really, really cool. One of the cool things right now, too, is that he's kind of the 501. And so if you want to build a Jeff- Justin Jefferson team that's not actually, you know, so locked in or so married to Kirk Cousins, you can do that where you have Jefferson and then play through the Bears. I like that that play. So I'm kind of getting excited about the possibility of the 101 here, but obviously you're going to always be excited for the 101. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Captain, we have to go to the first round, right? And you executed one of the all-time great sort of one-two-turn selections here where you go with Devonte Adams and he was somebody that I really loved after the move to the Raiders last year. And I don't really love with the Raiders this season. He obviously played extremely well last year. And then you come back and you take Travis Kelsey. This start with Adams Kelsey sets you up to then <laughs> destroy the field. Do you have a spot that you like? in round one and at the one, two turn, do you have plays that you think could be similar to an Adams Kelsey start? Okay. Well, I love the, the right end of the board again. I mean, it's, it, people get pissed when they, when they don't get the one one or the one or two, but it, I, first of all, the one one always fails. We've seen it with uh, Christian McCaffrey. We saw it with Jonathan Taylor. Don't do that to Justin Jefferson. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and we saw it with Aaron judge in baseball too. So 
I mean, I really do not like the 101. And I like the back end, too, because you basically get two first-round talents. Whereas when you get the 101, then you're looking at even T. Higgins is gone by then. So you're looking at these running backs that maybe are questionable. I, I have a lot of questions about these running backs. And you either reach for Debo or, or DK. So I really prefer the the right side of the board where you can get like a Garrett Wilson, Amon Ross St. Brown, a C.D. Lamb, uh, a Jalen Waddle, you know, one of those types of Devontae Adams. I, I much prefer the right side of the board. Are you willing to play Travis Kelsey in round one? Do you still like having that like tight end super punch to the roster? I mean, when you get can get pits in like the seventh round, I'd way prefer Pitts than than Kelsey. <laughs> but the funny thing is I didn't like Kelsey last year either. I mean, I'm very ageist. I hate old people. So I, old players, it's football, bro. It's not old players on old people. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, nah. So I did not like Kelsey and I did not like Adams, you know, but I just was kind of chilling in this draft room and they both fell to me. So I was like, all right, whatever. And then I don't, I, I got Adams. So I was like, you know, I don't like Adams. I don't really like Kelsey. I might as well take both on the same team. So, so I was are you not, saying to draft the players that you don't like, and that's the key? <laughs> yeah, I mean the the key is to chill out, really. You know, I it's just to chill. Don't take this stuff too seriously. We were talking about not sweating out the million dollars too hard and just loving the game. Don't take this draft too seriously. But I, I much prefer the right side of the board. And uh, on that topic, I guess you mentioned the right side. Have you a favorite spot that you have been getting this year? Where you know, do you want the one twelve? Are you looking like one hundred eight kind of range? What are you looking? I at? mean, I see CD Lamb through, you know, Amon Rossing Brown, including Garrett Wilson and Devontae, as pretty much the same, you know, range of outcomes. So I don't really care. I just want to get Gibbs, Watson, or London in the thir- three to four turn. So really, I care more about the three four. You know. Okay, so we and we will be drafting in our next show that is going to come out here in Rotoviz Overtime with Cap in BBM4. So maybe we're hoping, Sean, to get one of those late spots. I have a question for Sean, and he's teased this on a few shows. We haven't got, I, I don't even know what exact spot he's looking for, but Sean has a secret strategy that he's ready to unlock to win BBM4. What is the slot, Sean, that you're looking for? And have you got that draft slot yet? Well, I'm just going to go ahead and, and give the whole thing here since we're doing a show to win the regular season grand prize and the $3 million. I want to draft some teams with Waddle at the 107 or 108 and come back and take Jonathan Taylor. I'm going to get the two second round picks that I believe should be two first round picks and get them together because you can. Now I set up to do this last night and Tyreek Hill fell to the 107. So I'm like, well, I'm going to go ahead and take him there as opposed to taking Jalen Waddle at the 107 or 108 in this draft. But I am going to do some of those drafts. Cap, what do you think about taking a couple of these second round guys in round one, or obviously taking one of them in round one, taking the other one you really like in round two? To I mean, If you have the players somewhat valued there anyway, and you want to get a little bit unique with those first couple of rounds. I don't mind it. I mean, as long as, you know, they have similar range of outcomes to the dude at the 107, which, I mean, clearly they do. I mean, the difference between Diggs and Waddle, I mean, it doesn't seem too much. And you're getting some unique. I mean, I think the uniqueness thing is overrated because you get in different pods and then, you know, you end up getting washed out with different weeks. I think the uniqueness thing is a bit overrated the more I think about it. Um, Because you even see with Leone's data where he's saying that, you know, basically the CLV I got from Pierce in the 12th round versus the seventh, it doesn't matter in the playoffs. And I think the reason it doesn't matter is because of the, the way the pods work and just 
the randomness of which players get you through to the next round that you'll end up with pretty much a somewhat unique team, although some of the players will be chalked. So I don't value the uniqueness thing as much as I did, but I mean, I don't see a problem if you think Jonathan Taylor has, you know, 101, 105 ceiling. I do think that's interesting with Sean's idea. The question is, Sean, did you, did, there's a one word answer. Did you get Jonathan Taylor in the second round? No, he was and already gone. Well. So it only so works with Jalen. He was Walton. gone. And also, maybe, maybe we we'll was it. taken early by. Okay. Yeah. Maybe Michael we'll get it in this draft that's coming up. But the, the interesting thing is, Sean, we've talked on a, a, quite a number of shows about some of the wide receiver options going in that four, fifth, sixth round range and almost wanting you know, to try and get three of the guys that would almost be going in that, that sixth round to be in it. So it's kind of a similar thing, but you're doing it earlier in the draft. But you, you mentioned about the uniqueness aspect of it, Cap. And I think as the draft goes on, there's going to be a lot of players as the ADP varies. But Sean's idea, I think it would mean that there would be a very, very low amount of teams would actually have those top-end players doing that because there's not a lot of people who are going to reach on ADP by that. So I think... I think it could still be very, very unique. And what you're looking to do there is you could potentially have the player going at you know the the 101 and the 102 next season in that situation, which is obviously the highest range of outcomes you could hope for those two players. But there's really nowhere else in the draft that you're going to be able to pull that off from outside of the first three or four rounds. I like that a lot. I mean, you might literally be the only team with that combo. Although my question is, why do you care so much about doing that from the 107 and not like the one-two turn? I don't see it. What's the difference? Because it could be more common at the one two turn than it would be at the one oh seven. So the play. and and you'll get. I mean, the other part of it is that the earlier you do it, the better chance that Mark Andrews has to come back to you. And I think that you want to get Mark Andrews with that team, so that you have Andrews, Dolphins, Week Seventeen. I don't Sean think that Andrews is going to do lineup. Sean has picked out the one in lineup, and now he's trying to deconstruct how to draft it. I think that's what's happened there. I don't expect Mark Andrews to give us what Travis Kelsey did last season, but we saw him do something similar and very meaningful in 2021. That tight end could be the guy. Cap, you're shaking your head. Shaking no tight ends? No tight ends? I'm not really big on Andrews. I mean, they add Safe Flowers. They add Odell Beckham. You know, Bateman is, is now in the picture, too. I mean, I guess they had Marquise Brown, but I just – there's so many mouths to feed, and then you can get pits, you know, five rounds later or four rounds later. I mean, I don't really see the love for Mark Andrews when you can get, like, Debo Samuel or something. But, again, we don't know who goes off in the playoffs. And so even if Pitts is the better pick than Andrews in the regular season, you might need Andrews come week four, 15, 16, 17. You never know. We're not really drafting for who does well in the season. We're drafting for, you know, week 17 in particular, setting a DFS lineup. But, I mean, I, I don't see Andrews as a good pick when you can get Pitts four rounds later with less mouths to feed. I mean, he's in for a historic target share. He already set that last year. So why is Andrews... He could be in for a historic target share, but that might be on, like, 400 pass attempts. <laughs> <laughs> I, but there's so many mouths in the Ravens team. Do you feel that? I, I see, you know, when I'm looking at that, that basically the same way we look at the Chiefs, that Mark Andrews is the de facto wide receiver one on the, the Ravens. And I guess that's the upside play, Sean, is that right? Yeah, but there's also this element of trying to set up as many possible paths in each draft so that you don't have pressure to take specific guys in the middle rounds. You don't have pressure to take specific guys 
kind of in the last range where players are still valuable before you get kind of into that throwaway type of section. And there are only a handful of passing attacks and tight ends who have that combination of being so talented, having so much upside that they can give you by themselves a huge chunk of the teams that make the final. Cause you know, we talk about a lot about drafting for week 17 and obviously dolphins Ravens would be that, but we're also drafting for week 16 and for what the paths are because you've got to get there. And I think that when we draft for week 17, it's really easy to overrate the possibilities of making it out. Number one of your league. I mean, there's, a mindset of just kind of draft your teams that ignore that aspect and assume that you're going to have somewhere in the vicinity of the normal amount to get through. I would prefer to draft for individual seasons where you're going to crush your leagues, have a bunch of teams through and be on the right players in such a way that you're also set up very well for the postseason. Even if that means that there are going to be some other years where maybe you underperform the average just slightly. But then the other element with it is we do want to have that 15, 16, 17 potential run. And I mean, I think that setting it up through a variety of different teams is the right way to do it. And the Falcons with Ritter is a very compelling scenario for me. One of the things I think about the Ravens element that you mentioned is that I do think that there is some concern that Beckham is trying to author, say, his second or third comeback in a case where it's always hard to bounce back after you've had a big injury late, after you've fallen off that kind of thing, the Zay Flowers was actually not a first round talent. And that as a rookie, I mean, he'll perform. I mean, there's a very wide range with him, but I would say that I wouldn't say that he's the same type of impact player as the top three guys, even though he did go ahead of Addison. And then Bateman is always hurt and is already hurt. Now, I mean, I like some Bateman, and so I'd like to put those teams together as well. But, I mean, if you told me that six weeks into the season that Mark Andrews was the only guy doing things with the Ravens passing attack, that part wouldn't surprise me. And it does seem like he also gets a better floor now if they actually do get a little bit more aggressive throwing the ball, which, again, that could simply be one of these offseason stories that doesn't carry into the actual season particularly well. Yeah, I like that. And and I was probably overanalyzing week one. You know, we often get set on who's going to be playing week one, who's going to get more opportunities week one, when really football is going to claim half the dudes on that roster by week 14, week 15. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely was overanalyzing week one there. And you mentioned as well, you know, when you get to the week 17, week four, 16, when you're in the playoffs, some of the uniqueness goes out the window kind of thing. But Part of that is that it becomes almost a, a war of attrition with what players are still left on your roster. Um, you know, Sean, we, we've well talked about, you know, waiting on Jarvis Landry to get us over the edge. DJ Moore didn't come in for us in that big final. You know, you are, you are hoping that players are available. Elijah Moore, we thought, might come back off IR. Remember that week, Sean? But he didn't. Uh, but, you know, these are the things that happen. So it is trying to see the players are available. But a really fun conversation, which has us set up now to draft nbbm we are going to do that now but we're going to release that on our next podcast it's been absolutely a blast having king cap on for this one you should follow him on twitter at king capital with a k i will have that linked in today's show notes you'll be able to check him out there but cap thanks for jumping on hey thank you guys so much it was a dream come true and i mean that well this was only the the appetizer the dream come true is 
winning all this money again when we do this draft so looking forward to that but that is going to do it for the end of this edition of road of his ot thank you for tuning in drop us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app if you're watching this over on youtube hit that subscribe button my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host as always is sean siegel check out his work up on rotaviz.com and until we are back have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>